Hey, it's so good to be here with you again. Welcome to Canyon Hills. And uh, whether you're here in person or watching online, it's so good to see you. And it's so good for me um, to get to be able to share with you once again. Most of you know uh, that due to my cancer treatments, it's been months since I've gotten to uh, share God's word with you. So it feels so good. Amen? Yeah, it feels so good to have the treatments over and to be able to share with you once again. Uh, during the past three weeks in our series in the book of James, God has been speaking to us about something very simple but something very hard to do, and that's stirring up our faith. We've been learning about stirring up our faith to the place where we really live out our faith, where the people in this world can really see our faith. It's one thing to believe something. It's, it's one thing to believe something, and it's another thing to step out in faith and then live what we believe, especially when what we believe is so opposite of what many in our world today believe. But we've got to live out our faith. You see, it's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to live it. So today, we're going to look at something that God wants us to live out, that God wants us to really control in our lives as we follow Him so that our world will see that our lives really have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. That we not only believe in God, that we not only personally follow Him, that He not only gives us the power to follow Him, but He has the power to help us to be better and do better. And all of God's church said, Amen then our world will see that what we believe is really true. So today, we're going to look at what God says about controlling, are you ready? Our tongue. And everybody says, oh man. Ready? Oh man. <laughs> what does God say to us, his followers, about controlling this little thing that's in our mouth? Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm in trouble now, okay? <laughs> we're all in trouble because this little thing in our mouth can really get us into big trouble. Did any of you ever, ever, when you were growing up, get your mouth washed out with soap? Anybody? Yeah? A few, yeah? <laughs> Me too. I did. I did. Maybe you had a filthy mouth, or maybe like me, I didn't have a filthy mouth, but I had a really sassy mouth, and I, I got my mouth washed out with soap. Were any of you made to sit on a chair for a timeout because of your mouth? Anybody? You had to sit on a chair? That was mom's favorite timeout thing for me. I, I sat on a chair, but maybe that's why I learned to play the piano, <laughs> because mom had me sit on that piano bench a lot for simply mouthing off. I, I spent a lot of time there. Uh, mom will tell, tell you, if uh, you were talking with my mom, that uh, she was just about to let me up, and then I would sass off again. <laughs> and I've always told mom, it's a good thing that maybe I moved 1,800 miles from my hometown because I was the mouthy one, <laughs> better for the family. Now, growing up, we were all taught to control most of our body functions. I mean, if you're a mom, you're a dad, and you've got a toddler, we all began to control this potty training thing about two. And then we worked on this belching out loud thing about 12, right? We, we, we worked on controlling our body functions. But for most of us, the toughest part of the body to ever control is this little thing in our mouths, the tongue. But we who are followers of Jesus, we're to control it and we're to use it to bless the Lord above us and everybody else around us. Amen? 
That's what God calls us to do with our tongue. First, James tells us this. He said that the tongue is powerful. Now, we all have a human longing for power. And we often use our words, our mouths, our, our tongues to make a powerful impact on somebody about some kind of thing. James says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, most all of us desire to be the teacher, not the student. Most of us, all of us have this human longing to have the power of a teacher, to have the influence, the impact of a teacher. So James begins chapter 3 by telling his followers that Jesus says there will be strict judgment for those who will teach. Now, many of us desire the position and the power of a teacher but most of us are not ready for the strict judgment of a teacher or the responsibility of a teacher. Folks, teachers will face stricter judgment because a teacher with a tongue that gets out of control can ruin life after life. A teacher can use his tongue to utter words to help or to hurt. A teacher can utter words to mend or murder. We can use our words to help people or mend people's hearts, minds, souls. Or we can hurt and we can murder with our words. So James is saying, not many of you should desire to be teachers. But as we listen to that scripture, I want you to also listen really close to this. Whether you have the title of teacher or not, you are teaching someone. Someone is listening to you. Someone is learning from you. And maybe if you're a parent today, several little ones are learning from you. Those who live with you. So James says that the tongue is small, but it's powerful. Now I learned really early in my life that the tongue of a horse is powerful. But if you can get a small bit into the mouth of that horse, you can control that horse. You know, uh, I was growing up, I had a horse named Prince. And so maybe on the screen you can see there's a junior high Larry right there. Junior high Pastor Larry. And that horse was born on our farm. And I had the responsibility to train that horse to be rideable, to train that horse to be usable. But every time I tried to put a bit in Prince's mouth, man, his tongue was so strong. He would resist that bit. I could hardly ever get it in. But once I got that small bit in his mouth, I could control him. James says this, when we put the bits into mouths of horses, we can turn the whole animal. You know, a bit's a small thing, but it can turn a wild animal into a horse that's usable. And yet too often, like a horse, we resist God when he wants to control our tongues. We resist him, and yet we've got to let him control our tongues if we want to become usable usable. We don't want to let him to control our tongues, but we need to let him control what flows off the tips of our tongues. But listen close. If we let him, if we really let him be not only our Savior, but be Lord of our lips, he can turn our lives around and he can make us usable for every good work. Amen? 
God can do that. Then James goes on and he says, well, then take ships as an example. Although ships are so large and they're driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, a rudder is a really small thing, but it can turn a large ship. Winds and waves can blow against that ship and try to turn that ship in a wrong direction. But if that pilot holds that rudder steady, he can just guide that ship and keep it right on course. In the same way, a small spark can also start a forest fire. A small spark is a small thing, but it can set an entire forest on fire. Just like a bit is small, just like a rudder is small, a small spark can start a whole forest fire. James says this, Likewise, the tongue is just a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Folks, sometimes we are tempted to use our tongues to boast to blame, to accuse, to hurt, to demean and destroy people who are also made in the image of God to be loved and respected. But when a tongue is controlled by God, it will not even emit one little spark. It won't start a fire. It won't destroy lives. The truth is this. This little thing, this tongue, is so powerful, it can turn things. It can steer things, and it can destroy things. It is powerful, and especially it can destroy relationships. And the problem is this. Here's the big deal. The tongue cannot be tamed by man. No matter what you and I try to do, we can't tame this thing. Man can tame every kind of animal, but man cannot tame the tongue. Only God can do that. But listen, God will not tame your tongue without your permission. You got to give him permission. Like a horse, we must give God permission to put a bit in our mouths so when it's time, he can signal us and he can pull back on our reins and he can signal us that it's time to hold the tongue. Like a ship, if we give God permission to control the rudder, he can give us a signal of when to turn our tongue. If we give him permission, he can steer our tongues from dangerous waters. He can douse the sparks in our mouths that keep us from starting fires. The question is, will you give Jesus permission to control your tongue? We give him a lot of permissions to control various things in our lives, but what about this thing inside of our mouths? James says the tongue is small, but it's so powerful. Next, he says the tongue is poisonous. Our tongues are like venom-filled Tongues of perturbed, poisonous snakes. What a picture. James says it this way. The tongue, it is a restless evil, full, look at this, of deadly poison. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never liked snakes. I know some of you are probably reptile lovers, but I have never liked snakes, and it all began about age eight with me. As I stepped outside of a barn on our farm, a snake, a blue racer, looks something like this. A blue racer, which is a fast-moving snake, decided to race after me. Eight years old. I ran as fast as these short little legs would run. (laughs) But every time I looked back, he was catching up with me. And so I finally made it to one of the wagons on our farm, and I jumped on on top of that wagon just to get away from him. And I made it just as he was catching up with me. 
Now, my dad had told me that blue racers weren't poisonous. They simply just liked to chase. And if I would just stop and turn and chase them, they would slither away. And my dad usually knew best, but I was not ready for that test. Amen? <laughs> Wasn't ready for that test. And so, as my dad said, you know, just let them happen. So I ran to the nearest wagon, got on top, and as I watched him slither away, I just thought he was probably smiling and saying to himself, man, that was a good race. <laughs> but I was saying, man, I hate snakes. <laughs> hate snakes. Listen close. Like snakes, usually our tongues are ready for a race. That's the point. Our tongues are usually ready for a race. Too often, they're just waiting to chase somebody in the house. They're waiting to just chew out somebody in the house, strike somebody in the house. And have you noticed that when you are really perturbed, it doesn't really matter who enters your territory in the house, <laughs> but if they don't watch out, if they get into your territory and make just the wrong move, they're going to get it. If you're just perturbed enough, I like to say it this way, the tongue is often coiled for a strike. It is perturbed, it is coiled, it's ready for a strike. All it needs is somebody to enter your territory, make the wrong move, and you're ready to go. But secondly, the tongue is also loaded for a strike. It's filled with venom. They get into your territory, and off the tip of your tongue flows this venom. Maybe throughout your day, you've been mulling over all of the things that you have to do. And maybe you've been thinking about all of the that ways that people don't care about all the things you have to do, and they're not willing to help you with all the things that you have to do. And so you are mentally storing up all of this venom on the tip of your tongue for the next strike. And so there you are, perturbed, coiled, and loaded for a strike. And just a minute that somebody enters your territory, just a minute they make a wrong move, man, you, you let them have it. You let that venom flow. Anybody fit this word picture? You don't have to raise your hands, but anybody fit this word picture? The tongue is powerful. James says the tongue is poisonous. But then he also says this tongue needs to be purified. We need to cleanse our tongues so that nothing God says is sinful ever rolls off the tip of our tongue. We need to cleanse our tongues. So things like gossip, Things like slander, lying, demeaning, angry, hurtful, vulgar words, things that God says are sinful should never roll off our tongues. But here James focuses specifically on the tongue needing to be cleansed from cursing. Cursing. Listen to what he says. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. I, I don't know how you were raised. Uh, I, my home may have been different than your home, but growing up, I was taught to purify my heart, let God really purify my heart because the tongue speaks out of whatever's in our heart. And therefore, my speech reveals to everyone who's listening to me what's really in my heart. Is it praise or is it cursing? I was also taught that any kind of cursing is sin and that 
using the name of the Lord in vain is sin. And folks, I think we need to teach our children the same things today. Growing up, I was taught that words, and hang on with me here, I was taught that words like gosh and darn were just watered-down versions of God and damn. At the house I grew up in, and, and then in my house, we never wanted to use the name of God in vain. And so saying God damn, that was out. And, and, and saying things like gosh and darn or when something happened to us, Jesus, that was out. That, that was not permitted. And, and so no matter how bad you stubbed your toe, no matter how bad you hit your head, those words weren't coming out. We were taught that those were sinful and, and, and wrong. Those words were not allowed. We didn't say hell unless we were discussing hell. I was taught that the word heck was just considered a watered-down version of hell, and so it wasn't allowed. I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference between heck, yeah, and hell, yeah. Not a whole lot of difference. There was a man on vacation with his family. He was traveling through Nevada, and he was trying to teach his children to never curse. And so he decided when he came to the Hoover Dam, he would try to teach his children a lesson. And uh, when he came to the Hoover Dam, the kids said, Wow, Dad, what's that? He said, Well, kids, that there is the Hoover water stopper. <laughs> I know that's extreme. But when we say we're followers of Jesus, that also includes our speech. Inside and out, we're asking the Holy Spirit to be at work to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And a man who uses the name of Jesus as a swear word during the week can really not worship God with a clear conscience on Sunday. The truth is this. It's hypocritical to worship the name of Jesus on Sunday and then crucify his name on Monday. Isaiah said it this way, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And yet I know that the church of God is filled with those who have been lifted above, lifted above unclean lips by letting Jesus Christ be Lord of every part of their body, including their tongue, including their lips, their, their words, but that tongue needs to be consistent. And we're not to use our tongue to praise God on Sunday and then curse men on Monday. James is saying every man, every woman is made in God's image, so to curse other men and women is to really curse God. James says it this way, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So listen close. Our tongues were made by our God to bless the Lord above and those around, all of us. That's how we're to use our tongue, to bless Him and to bless others. So imagine with me, what could happen in our community if we really allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to cleanse our tongues from all bad speech and all cursing, if our tongues were used to bless others instead of cursing others, demeaning others, putting down others, if we committed to blessing our spouse, blessing our children, blessing our employers, blessing our co-workers, blessing our neighbors, 
What could happen if we did that each day? I believe what would happen would be a personal revival, a household revival, a neighborhood revival. If people saw us following Jesus, those of us who say we believe in him, and yet they see our speech and as well as the rest of our lives line up with Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen. A revival would start. They would see you living out what you say you believe. And our tongue then needs to be kept clean, kept clean, and it needs to stay clean. Get clean and stay clean. Your words need to be acceptable and pleasing to God at all times because you and your words are representing God at all times. You may not think that anybody you work with really knows that you're a, you're a Christian, you're a believer, but they, they're listening, they're watching, and you're teaching. James asked this question, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James says, can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No. Therefore, purify your heart so no salty speech flows off your tongue. Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? figs? No. Therefore, bear what you were created to bear, good fruit, pure fruit, pure words. So listen close. You can only produce what you are. If Jesus Christ is not in you, you cannot produce Christ-like speech. Let Jesus be more than your Savior. Let him be Lord of your life, Lord of your whole body, and that includes Lord of your lips. Lord of your lips. Listen close. The toughest part of the body is to control is the tongue. It is so powerful. It is poisonous. But it needs to be purified, and by the power of Jesus Christ, it can be. Amen? By the power of Jesus Christ, if you let him, he can control your tongue. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and join me right now. But I want to ask you, would you today just be honest about the condition of your tongue? Would you be honest as Isaiah and confess that you maybe are a man or a woman of unclean lips? Would you confess that when you are perturbed that you release poisonous words from your tongue? And if that's where you find yourself to be today, I'm going to ask you to pray in just a moment with me. But would you be willing to ask the Lord to tame your tongue? Would you be willing to commit to use your tongue to bless God and to bless others? If you're willing to do those two things, listen close. Others in the world will see that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. They will see and they will believe that what you say you believe, you really believe because they will see you living out your faith. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're willing this morning, if God's been speaking to your heart, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. It just goes like this. Lord, I confess that I have an unclean tongue and I ask for you to purify my tongue. 
I commit to use my tongue to bless you and all those around me. Father, there's a reason that you have placed these words in your word. There's a reason that you say that our tongues are restless evil, full of poison. You know that this is one of the hardest things for us to deal with. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help each one of us to let you be Lord of our lips. I ask in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen.